These are our sacred stories. Thanks to you. services. 
including safe and legal abortion services, affordable and reliable forms of contraception, breast and cervical cancer screenings, and sexually transmitted disease treatment and prevention. We are committed to the creation of the beloved community where all people can create families and healthy and safe environments. They continue. They continue. I hope so. As Baptists, we are committed to the protection of religious liberty for every individual and believe that each person should be empowered to follow their own soul when making decisions about their reproductive health, free from undue constraints or impediments. We support unencumbered access to accurate information. We affirm and trust women's, transgender, and gender non-conforming individuals' capacity to make decisions in consultation with their health care professionals, their community, and their God. We affirm and trust women's, transgender, and gender non-conforming individuals' moral capacity to make decisions that benefit their families and contribute to the good of the broader community. Well, I think it was important to read both the statement that came out Friday, a longer statement. It's actually longer than that. You can read the whole thing with a quick Google search. I felt like it was important because sometimes we might feel like we are the only church. We are the only Christians. We are the only people who believe and trust women and other humans with wounds. But we are not alone. We're not alone as individuals and we're not alone as a church. We are not facing these days by ourselves. We are not without resources. We are not abandoned. I don't know about you, but I need the reminder because it sure feels that way. I need the reminder that we are not alone and we are not without resources. And here, just such a reminder, an electionary story of today, a story of desperation and hope, of provision in the face of scarcity. Elijah, the prophet of God, is starving. This is not imagined scarcity or the worry that there will not be enough. This is starving, brink of death, scarcity. And God tells Elijah, go to Zarephath, and there you'll find a widow and sheep. Elijah goes and she, he finds a widow, a widow who lives with her son, but she is in no position to offer hospitality. This woman and her son have only enough for one more moment of sustenance and then they will die. Like the prophet, this is not the fear of scarcity, this is the experience, the reality, the right here, right now of not enough, of death biting at their heels. This is the woman that God directs Elijah to for salvation. Surely she sees his need and knows her own need is just as great. Surely the situation seems beyond desperate, beyond hope, beyond transformation. When Elijah asks the woman for food, she responds, as the Lord your God lives, which it's a cuss word. She's swearing. I don't know if you picked up on that. As the Lord 
prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is the woman God directs Elijah to for salvation. And the story just before this one, Elijah is driven to a new place by the word of the Lord, and his new location is one of barrenness and scarcity. But a little pool of water is found, and God enlists ravens to bring the prophet bread and meat morning and evening. So Elijah understands scarcity. And he also understands provision from unlikely sources. So when that little pool of water dries up and Elijah tells, Elijah is told to go and find this widow, he goes. God tells Elijah that the widow will feed him. And the widow tells Elijah that there is no food. There are no resources. They are depleted. Oh, 
Oh Lord God, you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I'm staying by killing her son. God doesn't address Elijah's theology. But somehow, in breath and moment and miracle, the child is brought to life again. Elijah returns the child to his mother and says, See, your son is alive. The widow says, Now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord is in your mouth, and it's true. Versus Wade is struck down, is dead. Some of us are as angry as this widow is with Elijah, as angry as Elijah is with God. The anger is good. We will need our anger. Anger will keep us focused and engaged. Anger is useful when it helps us move into action, when it helps us hope. Rebecca Traster, in her article entitled The Necessity of Hope, things are bad, they will get worse, but despair has never been an option. She writes, despair is poison. It deadens people when the most important thing they can do is proceed with more drive, and force and openness than they have ever had before. Which is why the work ahead is insisting on hope, behaving as if there is reason for hope, even if you feel based on the ample available evidence that there is not. So we need to feel our sadness and our deep mourning and our anger and our keening rage that the court has undone 50 years of precedent, rolling back fundamental rights. And we need hope. We must hope because we must act. Hopelessness and despair will leave us doing nothing about the right to bodily autonomy and reproductive justice that is just Like in the story of Elijah and the widow, I expect there will be very little time between this tragic decision by the court and the next one. Death is biting at our heels. Like Elijah and the widow, we must find avenues of hope, of resurrection, of new way forward. New way, new ways forward. New ways forward. Because we can't give up. cannot give up. Our silence will certainly not bring about change. Our fear will not help. Our focus on scarcity and the obstacles we face will not bring choice or bodily autonomy in our country back to life. We are in a unique position as people of faith. Much of what is happening in our country right now is being and being planned for the near future. It's being blamed on God, on Christianity, on religiosity. We have a unique and powerful voice as religious people. We can say, I'm for reproductive justice because I am a Christian. 
care for those in need. Abortions are medical care. Often medical care for those who are in desperate need the least of these. Overturning road only exacerbates existing inequalities. This will disproportionately affect women of color and women in poverty and young women and women in rural areas. Queer women and queer people. We cannot pretend the future is anything other than horrifying. So much of the current oppressive agenda is rooted in fundamentalist theology and distorted readings of scripture. It's rooted in Christian supremacy and white supremacy and Christian nationalism and white patriarchal ideology. It can seem hopeless. Can we, like Elijah and the widow, faced with scarcity and fear, can we work and act and proclaim again and again that we believe in reproductive rights and bodily autonomy? dignity and equality and human rights because of our faith. And with our faith and with each other, as is told in our sacred stories, when we demand hope from ourselves and from each other as we make a way forward that we couldn't even imagine. We must bring back to life what has been killed. And we will. We will bring protection for bodily autonomy back to women and people with wounds in our country. We will not give in to hopelessness. We will not let despair win the day. Together, together we will act. Together, 